Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. Yes, it is time for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today is brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville, by V's Flowers and Garden Shop Main Street in Waitsfield, by Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you, on Main Street in Colchester, by your locally-owned Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden on East Montpelier Road, by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PR Lumber, a family owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. PR Lumber, Route 15 in Wilkett. By the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating over 120 years of family ownership. By Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Vermont Route 107 in Bethel, Vermont. By Poly Construction, a contractor you can trust where one call does it all. Poly Construction, Gregory Drive in South Burlington. Our telephone lines are always open for your gardening questions. 802-244-1777 or toll free from most anywhere 877-291-8255 Right now, here's the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. What a beauty out there. Mm -hmm. Nice day today. Yeah, yeah. driving in, uh, got to uh, see uh, a lot of people's gardens. It looks so good and... uh, Oh, that looks like the tomatoes are coming in and all kinds of cukes and beans and all those great things that we love from the garden. Um, I picked, uh, ooh, I literally a garbage bag full of, uh, kale, um, Thursday night. Yeah. No, no, it was Wednesday night. And, uh, of course it's more than we can really handle. And, uh, so I've been passing out <laughs> bags of, of, uh, to people at work and to, uh, my, my son and a few other people and, you know, it's, uh, it's a real joy. And, uh, I have found for me, the, to cook up uh, the kale, it's, it's best to put it in, in, uh, boiling water and let it boil for a little while. That makes it more tender than steaming. Steaming seems to take a long time to really, um, to, to really soften it so that it's, you know, uh, not too chewy or, now I'm I'm not a big fan of the uh, kale uh, uh, salads, but a lot of people really like it. But you have to soften it up a little bit and, and to, to use it. But mostly I'll use it just as a uh, as a veggie. And I made uh, well, I put uh, the the kale in the pot and I put a little broth right in there with it and uh, some of. Uh, the pieces, some of the broccoli spears we had, 
And uh, then I I cooked up some of these little um, uh, momas, they call them, and uh, they're little, little dumplings. And I put those in there and cooked them all together, and it uh, makes for almost like a soup, but it's it's not quite. And it's really uh, all the flavors really mixed together, really delicious. So lots of kale. Now, I have 12 kale plants, and um, so this is probably my second or third harvest off of those, and that's probably about, um, you know, it's a it's – a, uh, I know that uh, Lee was wondering what's what gives you the most for the least work, and kale was right there on the very top because you'll pick a couple of garbage bags, uh, um, you know, by now, and it'll be a couple or three more by the time I'm done in November because they'll go right through to November. They're just a, a constant source of fresh greens. It's a little like um, the way Swiss chard is. Swiss chard, you cut it and it just keeps coming. A uh, l- little different in that uh, with the kale, you're cutting the the bottom leaves and you're you know you're breaking them off. And uh, as I was doing that, um, I was looking over at my uh, Brussels sprouts and realized, well, I needed to. It's time to uh, trim up the bottom leaves, just start cutting bottom leaves up about halfway. And that gives a little bit more energy to the plant to fill out those uh, those little uh, buds there. And because right now, oh, they're about the size of my my fingertip. You know, they're not, not too big yet. But soon they'll be fattening up and... Uh, um, and of course, I noticed that uh, the the cabbage worm is is out in full full force, and uh, so I had to spray all those cabbage plants with. Uh, I think I had yeah, Captain Jacks is what I used this time. Sometimes I'll use the BT, but right now I what I happen to have in the um, in my garden supplies was the Captain Jacks. So I sprayed uh, the cabbages and the Brussels sprouts. And uh, I didn't have to spray the the kale for some reason. They don't seem to be affected by the cabbage mo- uh, cabbage worm as bad as the other ones. And then I I also um, it was probably two um, two paper bags, you know, grocery bags full of uh, collard greens, and they are absolutely beautiful. Literally, poof, twelve fourteen inches around. And just a, a, a wonderful green, you know. You cook them up with um, uh, th- those two. Also, you want to boil those, and and uh, they don't steam. Well, it takes a long time to steam them to tenderness. But we put uh, uh, butter and, and a little bit of vinegar and salt, and uh, they're they're really delicious. So we've we've had a lot out of that. Just the twelve uh, collard plants and the twelve uh, kale plants. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see uh, what you guys do with um, with your kale, if you have any good recipes you'd really like to share. That would be great. So if you... Well, we might have an answer to that question Oh, right off the bat. Oh, wild bill, huh? Yeah, well, it could be. Let us see. <laughs> Let us see. This button, that button, and this button. <laughs> You're on the air. Hello. It's Wild Bill, yeah. How about that? What's up, Bill? Well, on the collard thing. Yeah. 
the years that I did spend in Florida, collard mustards and turnip greens <laughs> are down there. I learned how to make them down there. Nobody eats kale down there. They they refer to kale as pig food. <laughs> Oink. <laughs> but uh, oh no, the collard. You you take some collards. You know, take the vein out of it, the big vein. Yeah. And just cut them up into strips, about inch wide. Yeah. Get yourself some good broth or homemade broth, whatever. Onions, yeah. peppercorns, a decent amount of salt, and some uh, hot pepper flakes, or if you have them, some, uh, and not very many, some fresh jalapenos, and just put it in a crock pot, let it do about four or five hours on mm-hmm. medium low. Yep, yep. And golly. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot the one thing. I always put, a lot of guys down there put fat back. I use uh, Mackenzie thick-cut bacon. Oh, <laughs> how can you lose with that? Now, do you put any vinegar in those? No. I, no. Uh, if, when you serve them, you can mm-hmm. drizzle a little bit on it. Ah, when you serve them. Okay. When you serve them. You don't, you don't put the vinegar when you're cooking them. Okay. This is from... Very old people down there that grew up and, and was eating collards before I was born. Yeah, now you said collard mustard, and what was the third thing? Turnip greens. Oh, turnip greens. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I just got some. Uh, that We have a, a, a little organic farm up here in Woodbury, the Flywheel Farm. It's right on the, mm-hmm. the shores of Woodbury Lake there. Oh, yeah, sure. The other day I went down there for a few things, and they had some uh, some turnip greens. <laughs> and it was just enough to make myself a little bowlful. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and it was so good. I just took a little bit of the bacon and, you know, made a little thing. <laughs> That's it. Well, uh, you, you, you take a uh, what you think is a huge pot full of those greens, and by the time you finish with them, you've got two servings out of it. <laughs> oh, I know. I love spinach so much, and it's gotten to the point where I'd rather eat it raw and have a bunch yeah yeah well you know I, i'm good with it any old way but yeah a, a spinach salad is really great absolutely and i'm sorry i missed you on the anniversary day i did get to meet joel finally but i, I left a little early before you got there oh oh well, i'm sorry bill I, I would have enjoyed meeting you yeah i didn't get there till about 10 i i knew we were going to be there till two so that four hours was plenty for me <laughs> but I listened to the uh, the dump show and and uh, Jack show. And oh yeah, the... it was a fun time, and I, I finally put a face with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Well, Alrighty. I guess in some ways you're lucky because <laughs> I, I have a great face for radio. <laughs> well, I always wanted to meet Joel, but I never got over there in the early mornings and stuff. So yeah. I finally met him. Out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and All it right, was a pleasure. You take care. Thank you. Take yep. care. Bye bye. Thank you. Yeah. All righty. So that sounds good. Another recipe, uh, but this one's the collard mustard and turnip greens. Now I wonder. You probably could use radish greens instead of the turnip greens because they're about the same. They're a little bit, a little bit rough, a little bit. Hairy, a little bit prickly, similar to the turnip green, but uh, not not so much once they're cooked. But the crock pot, I had forgotten about that. Crock pot works works fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll have to because uh, I know my wife. Uh, she makes these uh, collard collard greens from a recipe that her mom had. They came from southern Ohio for for um, actually it was her grandmother's recipe. So. And it included, of course, butter and salt and some vinegar. I hadn't thought about putting the vinegar on the end, but 
Yeah, I would. Uh, I would not think of putting the vinegar on, but I know I'd like it. Put it yeah. that way. <laughs> That's right. You, you I think about it. I said yes. Now, now I would. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, part of the trick is getting it just soft enough that they mm-hmm. melt in your mouth. Yeah. You don't want to. You don't want them too too cooked, and and you definitely don't want them undercooked because they're just. You know, then then it's sort of like chewing on rubber. So. So you just uh, cook them up until you know they're good and tender. And that's the way to go with those. Um, so it's just about time. You know, you should have some uh, cukes starting to come up. And one of uh, my favorite recipes is the refrigerator pickles. Um, they're sort of like a half sour. Um, and the way my wife and I make them is we take a gallon jar and fill it, fill it up with the uh, um, the uh, cucumbers. Uh, I like the, you know, four or five inch, uh, something in that range, and the whole pickle. We put them, pack them in that jar, and we put the uh, the pickling spice, you know, um, uh, a few cloves of garlic. I like to just crush them so that they open up a little bit. Uh, of course, plenty of uh, fresh dill, and uh, if you have any dill heads, uh, flowers, that's fine too. And then we make a, a broth out of water, vinegar, salt, and uh, we heat it up so that the salt, you know, uh, dissolves in the in the water and vinegar, and then pour that right over the top of all those uh, that gallon jar, fill it right up to the very tippy top. And the recipe my wife has is she takes a, a piece of a good um, a rye bread and sets that right on the top. And then puts a cover on it, puts it out in the sun for uh, two days. She brings it in at night, but some people don't. You know, it, that part doesn't really matter. Basically, it's uh, it's giving the the cukes a chance to mm. f- ferment a little bit and absorb all that wonderful flavor. And then after that, two three days, you'll be able to to judge and uh, and put them in the fridge. And that you know, you'll have pickles for well, however long it takes you to eat a gallon of pickles. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, we had one friend over, uh, he and his wife, and, uh, it took, uh, we went almost through that whole gallon one night with, uh, a, you know, a few six packs of beer and <laughs> <laughs> a couple glasses of wine and, uh, a few root beers and, uh, some soda and, uh, it just, <laughs> real easy to eat, I can I tell you that. That you can't eat only one. <laughs> <laughs> no truer words were ever spoken. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it's a it's a, it's a lot of fun. For one, is that it uses a, a lot of small cucumbers because uh, when they come in, you just got to keep picking and picking and picking just to keep them flowering and and producing. But also, it's a they're the best. You know, they're still a snappy, crunchy pickle. And I've noticed uh, uh, in the grocery stores they've started to carry those. Uh, uh, half sour. They call them half sour. Now, there's a difference between the half sour in that those are actually fermented. They you just use salt and water, and uh, and that's uh and and then of course your spices and stuff with your pickles. And you'll notice that the that they actually ferment. Uh, you know, in the in the jar. That's a slightly different, and it has a slightly different flavor. Um, it's a strong flavor, but I enjoy myself. I enjoy the the vinegar type, um, but you know, uh, 
what is it, uh, at the co-op, they're called Bubby's Pickles. Those are a fermented pickle. They're not a, a, a vinegar pickle, but. I remember as a young kid in the Bronx, we go to the delicatessens, and mm. there was there's so many good things in the delicatessen. <laughs> and one thing that intrigued me was the pickle barrel. Oh. And to my memory, it was the size of a rain barrel, uh-huh. but it might have been a little smaller, mm-hmm. only because of the fact that I was. You were small, and it was years. big. It was big, and there was my dad would always, you know, gently threaten to throw me into the pickle barrel. <laughs> and I always wondered well, how bad it is because those <laughs> yeah. delicious pickles are in there. You know, be good eating for a right. while. That's yeah, for right. sure. <laughs> Before I went on for the third time but uh, yeah but anyway they, that's how they served it, and they'd spear one for you, yeah. you wanted one, you oh know, yeah, yeah absolutely uh, that, well, that, I, tongs but I always liked it when the guy would spear one and just put it on a plate <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's uh, now the the thing to remember is if you're making these there's absolutely no reason you can't uh, peel and slice up a carrot and put it in there because yeah. they make an absolutely great uh, uh, pickle too and uh, and for that matter, just about any vegetable out of your garden you can put in there, uh, you know, whether it's broccoli or whatever. It's sort of like with the uh, dilly beans, you know, you can you can make dilly Brussels sprouts and uh, and dilly carrots in there and put them all in together. So all just good food. And that that's these these are important skills as you st- you know learn to garden and uh, you're trying to feed your family. Uh, you can't eat all those cucumbers uh, um, all at once. You know you have to find, have ways to to preserve them and and keep them. And uh, so f- for the longer range, you're going to have to actually can your pickles. And that's a that's a different art form. That's definitely something that is well worth learning because you can pack them up and have them, you know, in January and uh, February until well until the next harvest. Now we've actually taken um, those same half sour, no, not half sour, but the refrigerator pickles with the vinegar and. Uh, We've done the same thing in the harsh crock. And with the harsh crock, um, if you're not familiar with the harsh crock, that's a, it's a, a German word, harsh, and it's H-A-R-S-C-H. And it's, uh, it's instead of just a plain old crock, cause like when you're making pickles in a crock, you, you, you put them in and then you have to, Put like a, a a lid on it and then a weight on it so that the cucumbers don't float up. They stay immersed and uh-huh. there's no air in it. Uh, with a harsh crock, it's a little different in that it has a it's a ceramic uh, crock, but around the top it has a, a U-shaped trough all the way around, and then it's got a bell-shaped cover that fits in that trough. Uh-huh. So when you pack up your um, uh, your pickles with the brine, you put a little water in that U-shaped trough, and that seals it. Uh-huh. It's just sealed with water. So you do have to watch every, you know, once a week go down and, and check them. Now, when we <laughs> when we first were looking at these, we, we got ourselves a five-gallon one, and, and it wasn't until we actually tried to carry that thing down to the basement that we realized um, we... <laughs> We we couldn't carry it very easily. It took about three people to take that down into the basement. So we we uh, we set that uh, unless you have space in your basement, uh, like well, like my grandmother, she had a kitchen down in her basement. Unless you have space down in your basement or your cold cellar to to make them up, you better to stay with a one gallon so that you can 
can you can actually carry it up and down the stairs if you're doing it upstairs in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some good advice. My uh, friend and one of my coworkers, uh, Lucy, has uh, brought in some tomatoes that she was growing uh, over at her summer camp, and uh, there was a there were cracks around the top, and they, uh, you know, I don't they don't really f- affect the meat of the tomato, but they look a little bit unsightly. The rest of it looked fine. But there were this sort of uh, circles around the top. There was just cracks and stuff. And she asked me what was wrong with them. Uh, for the most part, it's it's uh, when you have uneven watering. Right. And sometimes you can't really help that because when you get, like we had this that last week there, uh, you know, a, a tremendous amount of rain all at once, the the tomato wants to grow and it can't catch up to its growth quick enough, so it cracks a little bit. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, stretch marks, you know, or something where where it's expanding quickly. Yeah, the toughest part of that is that the larger tomatoes tend to to heal, and you say it's a little unsightly. Yeah, but it's when, it's when those cherry tomatoes but, split in half. You I, know? Exactly. I was going to point out yeah. the, that exact same thing, Joel, because that that's a little disappointing. Because once your your cherry tomatoes crack, uh, it's a whole different story. Well, you have to they eat don't them. Right, you have to eat them right there in the garden. <laughs> is what is the solution I have. So sometimes I've, I've eaten about four or five strawberry boxes full of. Crack cherry tomatoes. The simplest is uh, well. One of the things I love to make with uh, with cherry tomatoes is my Greek salad. Mm. So it's it's real easy. Just like you, I take them and fill up fill up a box and bring them in. You know, just finish the job, cut them in half, and then uh, grab a cucumber and chop that up into pieces, and then add the uh, the um, uh, feta cheese Mm. and some Kalamatra olives. Uh, a little bit of a little bit of salt, a little bit of olive oil, and then uh, balsamic vinegar. And uh, we get that really good balsamic vinegar, which you sort of you have to buy and not look because it's like twelve dollars for a little <laughs> right, bottle, yeah. you know. And but it is so worth it; it's so good. But a- any balsamic vinegar will work. Matter of fact, any vinegar will work. But uh, and then you just you just spoon it and and toss it and let it marinate in that, and uh, then you have one of the best salads you could ever ever hope for, which makes a uh, makes lemonade out of uh, lemons. You you know, once you get that cracked tomato, it's time to make Greek salad. <laughs> yes, indeed. And, you know, and it's very hard to cure that in a sense because you you just don't have that much control over when and where you get that uh, those rainfalls. Um, and the only real solution is to is to make sure that your uh, your plants have generous amounts of water if it's at all hot and pretty much from uh, from June through August, uh, you probably increase your watering to a couple times a week rather than once a week. And that, that will help sort of ameliorate the problem because they'll be expanding anyway and they'll have, uh, they'll have a little more room to expand. Not, uh, not so with her other problems. She had black spots on, on the top of some of them and that's, a. Uh, um, it's a form of what well, they call it arachnosin. It's an anthrax fungus. Uh, doesn't affect again. Doesn't affect the meat of the of the plant. Uh, you can just cut off the top and use it. But generally, once that starts, you wanna you wanna cut off uh, cut off the top. Use them up as quick as you can. Um, 
That's a, a, a fungus that, you know, one of the good reasons to uh, change where you're, you know, rotate your crops. You change where you're growing your tomatoes every, uh, at least every three years. And some people even recommend a little bit longer than that. And that's another good reason to have a garden map and a garden plan and to make sure you know where was it you planted those tomatoes last year because I guarantee you will not remember everything. And even when I plant my garlic, I put that down as the the first thing, first entry into next year's uh, garden map. Where did I put the garlic? I, I know I'll see it at some point, but on the other hand, I kind of like to know where it is <laughs> as I'm planning my garden map. And if you've never kept a garden map, uh, um, uh, of course, having garden beds, you know, with a sort of a, divi- a defined uh, size makes it a lot easier. And I... Um, uh, go back to garden basics is, you know, I use a four by four box. I put a trellis on the back of each one. I use the four 12 squares in the front to, to plant, you know, like 12 broccoli and 12 collard greens and 12 uh, cabbages. And that works well because if you're using a six pack, well, as you know, it's two six packs for this, uh, two six packs for that. And, uh, so, so it's easy to, to plan, but very important to, to keep track of, um, of where your tomatoes are, where your cabbages are. Those are, are, um, really the most susceptible, uh, plants to problems if you plant them in the same place, uh, year after year. Um, so the, um, those black spots, if you have those and you want to spray those with a, with a copper fungicide, and uh, what you really want to do is you want to spray the green fruits before uh, before they start to ripen up because the, uh, the that uh, fungus doesn't seems to only grow on ripening fruit. So uh, when you see that, if you see it, uh, make sure that you're doing your rotation. Go ahead and spray the tops with a uh, with the copper fungicide. Um, it's possible that something like neem will work, but uh, and I've I've read where it's it's also recommended, but I think you you do have to take a uh, a little uh, harder a little stronger stance on those on that kind of a fungus when you get it. It's not the same as as the late blight, which I haven't seen, um, uh, but it's the the same treatment. Right. And that reminds me, somebody said uh, to me after uh, we were talking, uh, after our show last week, he said, well, I'm surprised that you didn't uh, didn't recommend sun gold cherry tomatoes to to leave because those are easy to grow and they're they're not very susceptible to late blight and they're very rewarding and, and you just get tons and tons and tons of them, so... Yeah, they, that's a good. That's a good one. Plus, they come in very early. Yeah, they come in early. The beauty of cherry tomatoes. Yeah, so we can add that to the list, Joe. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> what was it? Zucchini, kale. Zucchini. Yeah, zucchini. <laughs> you know, I've noticed that no one has complained about the. Uh, well, I can't think of the the, uh, the name of it, but the virus that's trans transmitted from uh, from tobacco. You know, not, oh not, yeah, not that yeah. Many, not that many cigarette smokers are out there handling yeah. plants in the garden. Yeah, partly the, because there aren't that many cigarette smokers now than let's say a couple of yeah, decades yeah. ago. Mosaic wilt is that's what I think it. Is mosaic, yeah. and uh, uh, yeah. 
that's uh, that's true. You know, you don't you don't see that, and it, because it was like you say, it was always carried on the the tobacco. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend 30 years ago, and I guess one of his uh, one of his vices was the fact that he smoked. And mm. he and his uh, wife put together a garden, and they had that all over the place. The mosaic. <laughs> I, I told him, but he comes over. If he wants to go to my backyard, he has to hose down and wear yes. a hazmat yep. suit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny you said you know that the the, the at that time. Everybody smoked. Yeah. It was it was not it really? was more yeah. unusual. I was the only kid in our class who did not smoke, and uh, you know in my in my graduating class throughout the whole thing, and most of most of us kids, everybody smoked and started right when they were fourteen, fifteen, maybe sixteen. You know, if you were driving, you're smoking. You talk about distracted driving, right? Yeah. Drop a cigarette ash in your lap. <laughs> well, boy, things are different. Back when I was a kid in the, in the Bronx, all the cigarettes and vending machines for a quarter. quarter. You know, so like a <laughs> five-year-old with a quarter could buy a pack of cigarettes. Mm. We have a caller on the air, so we'll go direct, direct to our caller. And uh, good afternoon. Uh, you're on In the Garden with Peter Burke. Your first name in town, please. Uh, Trudy and Braintree again. Hey, Trudy. I have cucumber beetles. Oh, boy. It's that, that time of year for them. Yeah. They're yeah. destroying my zucchini, my summer squash, mm-hmm. and I've mm-hmm. used Captain Jack's powder oh, yeah? and spray, uh-huh. and nothing seems to deter them. Mm. Yeah, so you have a, an infestation. You have a, a lot do. of them. Yeah. Uh, so you're well, going to have not a lot, but I mean, every time I go out, I find two or three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, go ahead. The only thing I <laughs> it cures them is if I can catch them. There you go. <laughs> um, you know, and that's a, a thesis of mine: is the best tool in the garden is the gardener. And but I that's can't what, be there every minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can certainly put a dent in it, but the uh, uh, couple of the things that you can do besides that, of course, is if you turn the leaves over, look for their eggs, because that's what's happening. Is you, you're seeing those, and then the next the next bunch is coming up up from the eggs. So turn them over and look for the. They're usually sort of a an orangey looking, uh, and you'll see them in a cluster under a leaf. So, you know, go hunting and see what you can find, uh, and then just use your thumb and squeeze them off, or, you know, yeah. if you have a glove on or something. If you, I don't care if I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm that way too. <laughs> the only one I don't do that with is like the hornworm, the tomato hornworm, which, by the way, I'm trimming today, and I just found a baby. Oh, oh, and uh, that's it's that. It's time. That's right on time. And uh, again, the, well, that one's not going to grow up. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, they say you can feed them to to like the chickens and stuff. Well, I don't have any chickens to feed them to. No, but... me either. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I think my cousin says she feeds them to the chickens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. Uh... <laughs> I also have another bug that hides underneath the base of the plant of the summer squash zucchini, and it's a brown, elongated, has a wedge-shaped head, and there's often two or three of them all together. They're very easy to catch if you see them, but they look like a piece of bark. Yeah, yeah, and they do have that sort of angular look to them. Um, Yeah. It might be a a stink bug. That might be it. It's longer than a stink bug that yes. I'm familiar with. Yeah, yeah. More than one form. Are are they bothering the plant? 
I haven't seen them doing so. They yeah. just seem to be hanging out around the bottom. But yeah. I've got one summer squash that the whole center of it's been eaten out. And oh, I, yeah. I'm kind of thinking it was the beetle, but mm, I'm not possible. sure of that. Yeah. Uh, the uh, that's the, basically the same solution. Just you know, spray with the the spinosad, and then yeah. go picking. You know, and uh, maybe you you want to get a uh, chicken, so you <laughs> one pet chicken, chicken, one pet chicken, just to eat. <laughs> eat the bug. I have a just, lot of birds, but they don't seem to eat the bugs. Yeah, I like know. Them. What's with them? You know, I mean, worms. Why not? Just go ahead and have a couple of. Uh, so I've wondered that about the cabbage worm too. It's like, hey guys, you know. I caught a couple of those butterflies, three this year, yeah. by hand. So. <laughs> But I don't do cabbages or Brussels sprouts or oh, broccoli really? anymore. Yeah, how come? No. Uh, my tomatoes are... I had the darndest thing with my cherry tomatoes. Yeah. I didn't realize they were the dwarf kind. Oh. But they just came up and, I mean, they just kind of filled out and sat there. Yeah. And this week when I finally got around to cutting them back, there, there was cherry, there was tomatoes underneath that bush. Yeah. And it was all blanched underneath. Uh-huh. And it looked like it was growing roots on the... Stem. Yeah, that's right. You'll see that. I've never had anything like that happen. Oh, before. no. If there's any moisture at all, and that's one of the good things about keeping them trimmed up, is there any moisture at all? They'll set roots right right in the air. They don't yeah. need, they, they're so not at now all. They're beginning to look like they might produce a tomato. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> well, Trudy, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. All right. Well, I'll go picking. Yeah, go picking. Go picking <laughs> and then go ahead and spray and uh, do all of them. How often? How often can should you spray? Uh, it's uh, I believe with with your level of infestation, it's probably every seven days. That's what I would be doing. Okay. Or doing it once a week. Right. You know, it's just it's going to take a while to to get them because you again apparently all those eggs have been laid and they're just waiting yep. to to. Come I'll go up, look so. see if I can find some more. Yep. Uh, the other thing, yeah. the blueberries. Yeah. I've got the fly that's making Ooh. the little hole to oh lay boy. their eggs. Oh boy! Now, is it okay? Is it okay to spray Captain Jack's on the blueberries that you're you going to pick tomorrow? You can, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I assume you're going to spray it on, and then you're only going to pick part of it, right? Because well, gonna... they're only ripening, you know. Yeah, and some a little at a time. time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, go ahead, and then just make sure you wash them. That's all. And then I, I pick through. Now, what if you eat them with the hole in them? There's no harm in that. No. No. Because I... I've been going through them one by one, practically picking them yeah. out. Yeah, no, I, I, I suppose you could be philosophical and say it's a source of protein, but, um, you know, <laughs> it's, if they haven't, if you've opened them up, uh, you can look inside, you just cut them in half and you can see if there's the little grubs in there. And, yeah, uh, okay. if this, uh, you know, so if they've started to flourish already and fill out, then you probably wanted to pitch them. Yeah. But make All sure right. you don't put them in your compost pile. Put them in the in the uh, in your regular garbage pile. Well, I've been tossing them out in the grass. Probably that's wrong. Huh? <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you got to keep me straight. <laughs> All right, kiddo. Thanks All right, thank again you for the call. <laughs> Joel, did you say we had another call? Oh, okay, Linda in Middlebury. Welcome. What's going Hi. on? Hey. Well. 
have a wondering and then a question. And my wondering is, um, remember last summer when everybody had 500 chipmunks? (laughs) This summer, I only have one. (laughs) And I wonder if they starved themselves out of business because there were just too many to sustain over the winter. But the difference is startling. So I didn't know if you had any insight on that. No, you're exactly right. And and that's uh, that's. That, that is just like a, a fruit, uh, tree that's not pruned. You know, it will, it will be feast and famine. And so, uh, there apparently was not enough of them that, that they wintered over. There was not enough food for them. And also, um, you know, a fox will come in or, or, uh, some other, uh, predator will come in and, and, uh, thin out the herd there. No question about it. Oh, don't worry. They will be back. And, yeah, <laughs> and, and that's what I when I say about controlling them is that usually they're in a pack of about fifty or so in an area. So if you thin those out, you'll you'll help to solve your problem. Uh, they'll be back, of course, so you will have to thin them out again. But um, you know that's uh, that's that's kind of the cycle of life, I'm afraid. Yep. Yep. Well, my question is about something totally different. Sure. And that, and that is, is I live in a four-story condo. Okay. And in the front, there's a cement walkway with, uh, you know, like double doors and, you know, kind of like an entryway thing sure. that's got like stone walls. Yeah. And, and it faces east. So, you know, and with four stories, it gets no afternoon sun. Mm. So we bought a bunch of potted plants. Yeah. And they have not been lasting, Um, you know, to put here at the entryway. I don't, I'm not sure if they are burning to death. We're watering them like crazy, but, and I don't think it's the light. I really think it's the heat off the stone and cement or something. What's a pot that, you know, flowering something that we can put there so, and that will last all summer? Yeah. Um, That's, now... So you're growing these in separate pots along that walkway? Yeah. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and and what is like a clay pot or a plastic pot, something like yeah. that? Yeah. And, and is it a self-watering pot? Does it have water on, under the bottom? Or is um, it you water them every day? Or? We water them every day. Yeah, okay. Or when they need it because, boy, it's been raining. Yeah. So uh, one thing you have to keep in mind, and, and there's a couple of things going on here, but one thing you have to keep in mind is every time you water it, Right, the water goes down through, and it takes all the nutrients out of the soil and down out the bottom. So you you need to fertilize on a fairly regular basis, not with every watering, but maybe as much as every other watering. You want to you want to make uh-huh. sure it has uh, because the the water in the pot is just getting wa- uh, the nutrients in the soil in the pot is just getting washed out with the water, and that's that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is, as you said, there's the the heat. You know, of course, the the cement walkway and the wall and all the rest is going to just absolutely hold on to all that heat. And it's been a pretty hot. You know, we've had some pretty seriously hot. And although we're not that hot now, mm-hmm. um, in early June, which was, uh, you know, we were having those ninety degree days, and and that can set them back for sure. Um, now you say it's a little bit on the shady side there. Well, it only gets morning sun. Only gets morning sun. 
So, and what what kind of plants, what kind of flowers are you growing? Um, we had geraniums, and you know, I'm not really good at this, so I don't know. Some them like some pink ones and some blue ones. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Okay. <laughs> some pretty ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, uh, try try feeding them a little bit more. See if that doesn't help you right off. Um, because I agree, you probably have enough sunshine there for for that kind of plant. Um, you can try uh, something like uh, planting a nasturtium, which are a little bit hardier and uh, would take the you know, take the variety of stuff that you're throwing at these little guys. You could try those, and those really have very pretty, uh, very pretty flowers, and usually an assortment of, you know, yellows and and oranges and reds. Uh, so you could try those. That might that might be a little hardier in that spot. And I even know what a nasturtium is. So hey. That's <laughs> Did you, did you write okay, it down, well, though? Did you write it down? Yeah, yeah I'm writing it down right now. So thanks for your help. Yeah, sure. So, well, you know, pansies, snapdragons, all those things uh, tend to uh, to be fairly hardy in a situation like that, too. But um, try feeding them a little bit, and that probably help. Okay. that's what, what would you recommend we use for that? Well, you know, I would say the fish emulsion, but they'll hate you if you do that. So if you use a fish emulsion, make sure you get the deodorized one. Otherwise, you'll, ah. you'll have the cats and skunks and the dogs fishing around in there. And oh, then, yeah. uh, you know, any kind of a, a, a soluble, you know, preferably organic uh, uh, will do fine. You can uh, see them. Right. Yeah, you can. They have lots of them at uh, Agway and and uh, Blue Seal at Guys there. Okay, perfect. Thanks a lot. Okay, Linda. Thank you for the call. Thank you for your call, and uh, we will continue. And the telephone lines are open. But first, these messages from our fine sponsors. Dandelion Acres is a beautiful garden center in central Vermont where you can find gorgeous flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs. They also have an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes and can also offer helpful advice to make your growing season a success. There's pottery, garden furniture, statuary, and decor from the whimsical to the sublime. Dandelion Acres Garden Center is in Bethel, Vermont. Go to dandelionacres.com for current operating hours and COVID caveats. The program is in the garden, and once again, here's Peter. Hey, Joel. Um, the one thing I, I just remembering uh, is, the, the, was it last week or the week before, we were saying things you can do in the garden for the birds, right? And one of them was putting a, a bird bath out. Now, uh, I just heard this week that they're they're telling people to not put their bird baths out because there's some sort of a bird disease that's coming from west to east, and uh, that one of the ways it's transmitted is in a birdbath. Mm. So um, some second thoughts on that, you know, huh. uh, just let people know since I thought that was such a great idea was uh, was uh, putting the birdbath out there for the birds. Mm. Have you heard anything about that? No, but I'm very – because I have my – this is the first year that I have <laughs> yeah, my uh, my birdbath mm-hmm, out, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it really is a uh, – it, it's just a big dish, really. Yeah. It's a terra, yeah. terracotta 
base that you put underneath a yep. flower pot, mm-hmm. but underneath a huge flower pot. So mm-hmm. it's about 16 or 20 inches I know in diameter. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, I fill that up with clean water every day. Yeah. And not only do the birds come to bathe, but they come to drink. Mm-hmm. And likewise, uh, the squirrels and chipmunks have yeah. also made it their own. Even a, you know, a neighbor's cat comes and drinks. What a pleasure to watch. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fun to watch all of this, but, uh, boy, I'd hate to be spreading diseases. So yeah, I, will, uh, I, um, I meant to double check to see, uh, and I thought maybe, uh, um, Maybe Anson would mention that on his bird show this week, but um, I guess we'll have to do a little more research on that because I just heard it on the general news, you know, when I was listening to Rick Sangari's show, and uh, uh, I just didn't know. If maybe somebody else knows about it. Give us a call. That would be great. Um, yeah, I think on uh, when uh, later when I'm off air, I'll uh, check with my uh, resident expert, Professor Google. <laughs> <laughs> also, Doctor Google, when it comes to my own ailments, and <laughs> and Uncle Google, Uncle Google, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. When I need family advice, <laughs> there you go. What would we do without the Google crew? Huh? Yeah, I know, I know. Yes, they work overtime, and and I've noticed that they even work at night. So, um, yeah, I'll I'll see if I can't get a little more yeah. information on that. But yeah, that's, that's unsettling because I think one of my few major successes is that I have, you know, one more one more dimension of reasons why these critters come to my deck. I've I've seen more variety of birds this year, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know everybody seems to be seems to be happy. I've had. Um, uh, regular humming. You cannot look at my back deck without seeing a hummingbird at a feeder. That's a, and I, I, I get such a kick out of the fact that, uh, as a kid, what I thought were insects were actually little birds. Okay. Well, well, uh, Google did did come up with uh, it's a uh, it's a salmonella. It's oh. a, f- a form of salmonella. And uh, it is uh, the disease pops up. Oh, okay. With some regularity and can spread via the concentrated bird feeders and the, and the um, baths. So this one is calling it a mysterious illness. Continues to affect songbirds. And uh, um, so we 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 need a little bit more information, I think, on that one. Yeah, I know. I'll I'll try to check and see what we're what we're supposed to look for. Do we find dead birds or sick birds or fewer it's, birds? What what's the symptom? Yeah. That was exactly what they were saying on the on the on the news. Was that the the if you see dead birds, uh, it could be. Now they're they're saying uh, dying birds with crusty swollen eyes. Hmm. But uh, it looks like it's further south from us: Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, and Kentucky. Uh, there are reports from even more states across the northeast and some in the southern states. The birds affected are the common grackle, blue jays, European starlings, American robins. Okay, this is what I heard exactly. But some of the species of songbirds have been spotted too. Well, I have... uh I have seen fewer grackles this year. I made that observation mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they they usually come about 20 at a time when it's feeding time on my back deck. You know, I've got nine feeders out there. And uh, it seems that there are fewer grackles. There are some, but hmm. 
I hope it's not in the... And they the, ruled out the West, uh, West Nile virus, which is, is good, and the avian flu, because those, are, those can infect people, too. They've also eliminated the salmonella, okay? Newcastle disease, herpes virus, pox virus, and... Well, one I can't pronounce. Sorry about that. Um, although these uh, causes have been rejected, no cause has been determined. So, well, we're just going to have to see how that develops. And the, one of the um, uh, uh, one of the upshots of it was they were saying, well, you know, it might be a good idea. What it says what bird lovers should do, and uh, the they're saying about uh, the bird bath. Hmm. Okay. And uh, and then some cautions about bird feeding. So anyway, uh, one more thing, one more list to put on the list of things to worry about. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am worried because yeah. I love seeing the birds. I yeah, have, I have a best uh, terrific show out of my uh, kitchen window over mm. the sink. You know? I, I think of my mom uh, in her, in her later days. The the um, the bird feeder was her great form of entertainment, and it was always she would call and say, "Oh, there's a really bird, beautiful bird." She'd tell me what it was, and then of course she started putting corn up there because she loved to watch the squirrels go after yep. the corn. <laughs> I said, "Well, mom, you know where they're going to go right after that? They're going to well, go right a, in your basement." <laughs> yeah, that's the trouble. I, I've got, I have squirrel. Well, I tell you, my squirrels knock on my <laughs> kitchen window. And they really we knock on the kitchen window. I open it up and I and I sprinkle peanuts across, and they eat. And all of them have learned that as soon if they see me in the in the kitchen, they'll bang on the glass until I feed them. But I I hate to think of what they do with the rest of their time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, they probably around and... up in the attic. Yeah, God knows, you know. But uh, right. But it, you know, it is it is funny. I uh, you know, unless we're having a family meal, I uh-huh. I eat I eat my breakfast cereal over the sink watching watching, watching the show. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. usually a pretty good show. Yeah, yeah. That was one of my and, hum, and hummingbirds here in this in this state. Yeah, uh, the one species that we have mm-hmm. uh, are very. Very territorial. You'll oh. never see two hummingbirds at the same feeder if you have multiple ports on your feeder. Uh, they they spend most of their time chasing each other away, <laughs> even though uh, there's plenty for everybody. But uh, it's not like some of those pictures that you'll see and taken in other parts of the country where you'll have like a dozen hummingbirds mm-hmm. at a single feeder at one time. Mm-hmm. You know, any one hummingbird that determines that this is their territory will spend literally half their time in the air chasing others away. And it's uh, <laughs> interesting sure. thing to watch. But, but So you don't want to get in between two hummingbirds? No, I have or... single – I have – Single port, tiny hummingbird feeders mm-hmm. that, I, oh, that yeah. I space far, far apart. So if there are more than one, yep. they can have it. My, my one of my friends likened it. Yeah, it's like the one. It's like the one seat outhouse. The two seaters <laughs> don't work all that well. <laughs> That's another discussion, isn't it? 
<laughs> I, I, no. Never mind. I'm not going there. Along, yeah. <laughs> the thing about the hummingbirds is uh, I have those trellises, and they will oh, frequently uh, just go up and sort of hang out on top before they head the other way. And the other thing in the old days when we have a TV antenna, you remember those? Oh, I, I, believe it or not, <laughs> the remnants of one are still up on the roof. Yeah, well, they'd love that antenna. Yeah. They would go up there. At, you, you'd see them. They went down to, to the uh, comfrey with those little trumpet-shaped uh, flowers, tons of those. And then they would zoom up uh, onto the uh, that antenna. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know I had a huge antenna with a rotor oh. because when yeah. I was first here, and uh, we're going back 40 years or so, <laughs> when I was first in the house that I'm in now, mm. uh, I, put, I got the biggest antenna and yep. a big, powerful rotor so yep. that on... Uh, uh, Friday, Saturday nights, I could aim the thing north so yep. I could pick up the French Channel 2 <laughs> where the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Oh, oh wow. Their, so I could watch their hockey game. But you had to be precisely you, aimed. Yes. You know, yep. nothing worse than walking, watching a hockey game when the picture is fuzzy because you can't see the puck. <laughs> but uh, no, an antenna, I kind of miss those days, to be honest with you, yeah, yeah, with uh, the cable bill that I get these yeah, days. Exactly. But that's another story. Yeah, but yeah, anyway, the birds. The birds would make that their perch, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, that, and and then of course those, um, and, and all the birds uh, perch up on the uh, uh, on those trellises, mm-hmm. you know. And of course that that does make a for a little mess and down below, but uh, you know, <laughs> just take the hose and spray it down. Yeah. It seems to work okay. Before I gave up the battle with the uh, deer that come and eat my pole beans, mm-hmm. uh, one of my teepees I planted. The variety that really doesn't come up with uh, any beans that you can eat, mm. but a hyperabundance of bright red flowers. Oh, wow. You know, and the hummingbirds love that. So, mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. so I stagger planted, uh, uh, you know, that one variety, and I can't think of its name, but it, uh, on the package it'll say that, you know, you're not really going to get a bean that you'd want to eat. <laughs> However, if you want to see the hummingbirds, this is it. And it, and it worked like a charm. Just yeah. super abundant uh, red flowers. And the hummingbirds just were yeah. there all the time. Yeah, it's a it's a real joy to see, really. And now, of course, the milkweed out and the butterfly are just covering those guys. Yeah. Well, we do have a phone caller. Let's see. Oh, let's go to the line. And uh, first name in town, you're on the air. Hi, this is Dave from Richmond, Joel. I'm the guy that's got his transistor radio in the garden with the big ball of tinfoil on top of the antenna. Out of sight. I know that I know that game well myself. That yeah. was so funny yeah, because I yeah, was just uh, thinking about that the other day. It's like oh, Yeah. Yeah. Good. And I'm telling you it really improves the reception. <laughs> so my call my call is about uh the squash vine borer. Yep. And I don't have squash but I have cucumber. Yep. And I've I've protected them with netting Mm-hmm. And I've heard that uh, when you do that, you have to take a Q-tip and pollinate them yes. to get fruit. Right, right. That's this correct? is true. Now, you at this point, for um, uh, was it Trudy? Yeah. Uh, anyway, at this point, if you put the netting on them, you're, all you're doing is is uh, trapping them in there. So you have to start that when they're very young. And, you know, you I have, did. Yeah, so, I did. So that works out for you when you so you plant them and then cover them with a, a row cover. 
Exactly. Now, um, I've heard that uh, at the end of July, beginning of August, mm-hmm. you can take that off because mm-hmm. those uh, bugs are no longer They're a cycle. factor. Is that That's correct? Right. That's right. Their cycle is over now. All right. Yeah. So is it okay to take that netting off now? Uh, it should be uh, okay to take it off now, you know. Okay. Uh, because they're they're done with their uh, laying their eggs and all the rest. So okay. You, now I tried to protect my cabbages the same way, mm-hmm. but I failed. Oh really? So yeah. Yes, I did. I don't think I got the netting on soon enough. <laughs> but so now I should probably keep the net off now so that. Yeah. Uh, oh, you should take it uh, off. Birds and, can get and in there spray. and eat those little buggers. Yeah. No, don't depend on the birds. They they don't like them. They they don't eat them. That that they I've don't. ever seen. Okay. Uh, and I have okay. lots of birds in my garden, and they've never eaten not cabbage worm one ever. So you're okay. going to have to spray them right. with, uh, with the BT, um, the the thergicide, or um, or the Captain Jacks. One one, one of those will work uh, real well. Okay, and yeah. and which one of those is more environmentally uh, better? They're all. Equally environmental. They're all okay for organic gardening. Um, they're OMRI approved. Um, and they're all natural substances. So there's no, and, and all of them you can spray up to the day you, you harvest. So they're, they're not toxic to humans. Okay. Um, okay. The, the, uh, if you really have a bad infestation, you're going to have to do it a couple of weeks in a row just to, uh, tone things down. And again, the same thing, uh, look for eggs if you can find them or, uh, because that's where they're coming from is usually from an egg pot. Okay, very okay. good. All right. Uh, let me echo your your love of hummingbirds, and uh, <laughs> I just got to say I'm a huge fan, Joel, and have been for a long time. But if you take a close up look at your average hummingbird, it looks an awful lot like Joel. <laughs> <laughs> it's the beak, I think. <laughs> in a good in a good way, Joel. In a good way. <laughs> All right, boys. Thank you very much for being there. All right, Dave. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Dave. Well, I tell you, I wish I was half as fast as those guys. Oh, my word. You know? Oh, my. Yeah, really. Boy, they, when they're chasing one another. And the wings, you just don't see them. They're, yep. they're going so fast. They have that, that perfect mobility where they can just sit there and hover and, you know, move yeah, they, around. Yeah, they have to hover. Uh, on my tiny little single port feeders, mm-hmm. uh, which I refill every day. Another advantage of you, why uh-huh. buy a big hummingbird feeder? Yep. Yep. And you know, one hummingbird is ma- ma- you know made it their territory, and then it'll sit for days and days and days. And if you forget to change it, obviously it's you know, It does ferment. So I, <laughs> I, the one that I fill probably takes about four ounces or mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. and it, I have to refill it every day, sometimes perfect. twice a day. Yeah, so it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, very nice. Uh, a listener called, and yeah, she was absolutely right. It's red pole beads. Nothing more complicated <laughs> than that, you know. Or yeah, yeah, uh, long red, long red pole beans uh, are the are the ones, and um, they're and not they, they're not available in every uh, you know in, in every uh, store that has beans. But those that mm-hmm. seem to have the exotic variety, yeah. um, I can't. A, a peaceful Valley is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you see, they have an inventory of peaceful. Valley, they'll have uh, a whole bunch of uh, products, you know, different beans and peas, but varieties that you don't see every day. But anyway, yeah, yeah uh, the uh, the red pole beans, that's there all you, you need to know. And the yeah. flowers are just, well, they're, they're uh, hummingbird uh, nirvana. Oh, there you go. Yeah. 
I've, and the the flowers are pretty, right? Yeah, just very pretty. Yeah, I mean, great. I had, I had huh. my neighbor taking pictures of it. You know, when I had that. You remember at the beginning of the year, I said I was going to plant nasturtiums yeah. on the corners so yeah. I would cover up the. And the, they've been really, really pretty. Uh, it does take a little effort to train them to go up. Uh, they want to just sort of go out and around or wherever they want to go. But if you train them, they they go up very nicely. So um, that worked out good. And the marigolds have been beautiful. And the uh, other day when I was uh, uh, picking the the collards and the kale, uh, I was also getting these wonderful whiffs of this the beautiful fragrance of the marigold. It was very very nice. Well, my my biggest regret with regard to what Mother Nature does to attack my garden is that I just don't, I miss pole beans. I have them. I, I mm. love them. I always thought the of the edible varieties. Of course, I always thought the pole varieties of mm-hmm. the beans were were, mm-hmm. were sweeter and mm-hmm. and 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 better overall than the bush varieties whenever there was a chance. But uh, unfortunately, the deer would eat them at mid plant level. You know, <laughs> at, at that at their head level. <laughs> well, the the bush beans, the the Roma style bush beans, those are the flat yeah, pods, right. and those are the real tender ones. Yeah. Uh, they do have bush varieties yeah. of those now, and, and they they're they're really delicious. I love the uh, bush variety of the purple beans, which yeah. is I think my kids <laughs> like because once you steam them, they turn green. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I miss doing that. Well, uh, when I make my dilly beans, I I had the purple and the yellow and all the rest of that, but even so, the purple ones. Turn green, they turn so green, you don't yeah. know. Yeah. But the yellow ones stay nice and yellow. So uh, what I was doing, I was putting the yellow and the green all the way around right. this outside, so they look kind of pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy, dilly beans are great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a fellow at the Waterbury Farmers Market who I think, uh, when he does come, has has nothing but the dilly beans, oh, and he boy. sells out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to try the uh, – well, we did try one other year, but this year if I get a nice uh, Brussels sprout harvest, uh, I'm going to do some dilly sprouts. Mm, I, never, never, I never had a dilly Brussels sprout. Uh, you know, Ellie's Farm uh, out in Northfield, they used to have the big display of pumpkins every year, and uh, she sold at the Montpelier Farmer's Market. And uh, she, the, she was telling my wife and I about them going to Pennsylvania, and they saw the dilly beans, the Brussels sprout Good. dilly beans, and they bought three or four jars. She said, not one jar made it home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, that happens. That happens with uh, just about anything that I buy, and I'm asked to take home. But with wise, you know, I'd buy a big pizza for our dinner, and then a little one for the car, you know, rather than open up the pizza box and and tell my family, "Oh my God, someone stole two pieces out of this box." <laughs> Who would do a thing like yeah. that? <laughs> Oh, Joel, I don't know. We've gone over, but uh, we've had a good time. I think so. Yes, indeed. Well, we'll be having more garden discussion and uh, checking in with uh, you, our listeners, with regard to what's happening in your garden. And, of course, Peter here to answer your gardening questions. So I guess uh, the bottom line is, uh, Peter, that we will see everybody uh, next next week week in the garden. In the garden. Gonna make this garden grow 
Someone bless these seas.